And for those of you who don't know what's going on, every episode I choose a different screen name for our recording software. Today mine is Descendant of Khan, referencing how Genghis Khan uh, slept his way across Central Europe, or Asia, excuse me. Well, murdering basically everyone. That's the um, same thing. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> hey, is it, really, I, is it really genocide if you repopulate as you go? You raise a horrible point, sir. <laughs> Just asking. But I wanted to yell con really loud as it opened it, but I couldn't get the recording to start. So Nah, that's that okay. Probably for the best, yeah. to be honest. You'd have to really uh, mess with the audio gain. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would regret it later. Yeah. <laughs> Worth it in the moment, regretted it later. Story of most <laughs> Friday nights. Um, it is Tuesday afternoon, sir. Oh, well, <laughs> that's my mistake, I guess. This is the book report. Well, um, you have read, let's just start out this way. You've read... Uh, all of Faster the Dresden than Files. you. We're caught up, correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. And you have read at least most of um, uh, Leviathan Wakes, the first book of The Expanse? I have. Okay. Also, also faster than you. Yes, probably. Have you watched either of those TV shows? Uh, <laughs> I did not watch the Dresden Files TV show because I heard it was terrible. And mm-hmm. I did not make it much further than the first episode of the Expanse series um, because my wife did not like it. And generally, we watch TV at the same time. Okay. Well, right. then this is going to be an interesting um, episode. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some adaptations and then we're going to go into some really spoiler free looks at um, the latest Dresden Files. So duck out now if you don't want to hear that. Or hang out if you're just here for a good time. Yeah, because I'm going to go on several mini rants this episode. I already feel it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. The only reason I even show up for these is because you go on mini rants. <laughs> well, let's just uh, get it started. Um, I finished the first season of The Expanse yesterday. And while I think the show was amazing, they did a really good job of capturing the characters. They did a bunch of smart things. Um and like as you adapt a show they did a bunch of smart things to adapt it um but they made the exact opposite mistake that the dresden files tv show made and if you haven't watched any of the dresden files tv show let's just open this up to steven who's read all the books and ask how would you handle just the thirty thousand foot view uh blocking out the dresden files books into a tv show Oh, geez. So I would uh, automatically avoid the M. Night Shyamalan interpretation where you take an entire series and condense it into one movie, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't, you know, turn the first book into the first episode. I think that would be a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same point, the first book is the weakest. And so I don't know. It gets tricky because in the first book, he's you know, a detective. And then by the end of the books, is he, is he a detective? I don't think he's a detective. Not really. We've kind of completely lost that, including how they handled the whole Thomas situation in this last book, book. um, which we can rant about in a minute. But if I was going to do a 
10,000 foot view of the Dresden Files, I would I would structure it by layering in the Red Court Vampire stuff probably mm-hmm. earlier on, to be honest, or at least have something going on in the background so he can discover it over time. Um, and then put that as my big bad for most of the series. But I really don't know. It's it's a really um, it's a top heavy series. Like there's okay, a yeah. lot that goes into it. But let's let's I'm work also it out. not really sure what you're asking me to do. Um, no, I need you a did little a, more guidance. You did a great great job, but let's work through it a little Thanks, bit Dad. and figure out how we would do this. <laughs> Just kidding, um, my dad never said that to me. Oh, I doubt that very seriously. Your dad's a great guy. That's true. My um, dad's very nice. Um so the show or the book is ostensibly split or the series is ostensibly split into three or four major parts. The first several books, he's a detective and you're learning about the world and he's slowly realizing there are bigger things. The second part is the war with the red vampires that takes over or the red court vampires, which takes over a huge portion of the story. And then the third portion is, and these kind of all get intermingled really quickly. Third portion is um, him dealing with the Fae the summer lady first and then him becoming the winter night and then him realizing there's an even bigger bad, which is what we're dealing with now. Wait, they get um, that far in the TV series? No, I'm just saying. This oh, is, I was like, I thought this ended a long time ago. No, it ended after like 10 episodes because it was terrible. Um, so if you wanted to craft a show that had all of that, if you wanted to, I mean, you have 17 books now to work with. You have no end of stuff. You could have made it a dramatic you know one hour a week uh tv show that slowly builds but they obviously sold this as a detective show as a procedural police detective show with magic that's a mistake okay yeah that's a mistake first off but you could still work with that you could still i mean look at other shows that are ostensibly um detective shows that went on to have crazy huge storylines um, or even like supernatural entity of the week shows like Buffy or um, uh, Agents of Shield or something like that. You could Smallville. have modeled seems like Smallville, yeah. Here. Any of the CW, you could have modeled the entire TV show as one of them instead of as a detective novel. So you have your villain of the week, you have your detective stories, which you would draw heavily from the books for those. Um, or invent them yourself, supernatural style, and then you would pepper in the larger overarching story, and each season you would make it one of these big bads. Instead, they did the exact opposite of what you mentioned and made the first couple episodes all a single book. And they did condensed not. them into no, one didn't. episode. Yes. Oh, the no. The whole first no. episode Wait, is the so first my, my, like, throwing stuff against the wall where I said don't pull a Shyamalan is exactly how they handled this? 100% the oh, entirety no. of what's the first book called? Storm, Stormfront is yeah. the first episode of the TV show. It, it doesn't even – and it barely even hints at a greater picture. And then the next episode, if I remember correctly <laughs> – um is nothing it has nothing to do with any of the books like it introduces a couple characters that are in the books but it's completely invented story and it's like what are you doing you had 17 books of stuff to draw from i mean at the time i think they only had like 12 books of stuff to draw from but still so much stuff to draw from and you waste it that epically well, that's also frustrating because even though you only have 12 books to draw from, you can do 
all sorts of things with cutbacks to Harry's childhood. You can do like some type of inner drama with the wizard white court or whatever, not the white court, the, mm-hmm. the wizard council. You can do so many like side projects that never get explored in the books. Uh, but I'm just kind of, my draw kind of dropped open when you told me that they actually turned the first book into the first episode, because that seems like a rookie mistake that no one would ever actually do just because books tend to have quite a bit of stuff you can flesh out and you can draw it out. And I understand if you're trying to create some type of a TV show where it's a detective, you want to solve the mystery by the end of the first episode. And that I, I get that. Um, oof. Okay. But you should I'm glad have, I didn't I mean, watch it. I'm now never going to watch it. So thank you. you. That's easy. In the first book, there's also the whole mystery. There's the mystery of like the, the drug that makes you be able to see the, the third eye stuff. Yeah. If you would have just focused on that part of it and not who the big villain is, like you could have had like them catch a drug dealer and it led to a bigger villain and have it even just be a two episode arc. Cause yeah, the first book's not very important in the grand scheme of things, but you can't rush through all of it in like a half hour. Cause I don't even think it was a full hour episode. It was just bizarre and stupid. Um, this is really funny. And that's ironic because this was a CW show, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was UPN. I think it was even before CW was a thing. Oh, never mind. Okay. I was going to say, like, CW has a pretty good track record of, like, the, I'm going to call it the superhero soap opera, because um, that's... Oh, sorry. It's not even are. It's not even a United States TV show. It was um, done on the Sci-Fi Channel, but it was uh, made by Sky One in the UK. Why? I, it was a Canadian-American okay, TV sure. show. Yeah. Why not? This is yeah. just getting worse and worse. So, yeah. cool. Anyways, okay, so let's go the opposite, which is the Expanse TV series, and I think it has the inverse problem. You only have read the first book, or you haven't even finished the first book, but tell me how you would uh, pace what you've read of the first book. How would you have modeled a TV show? Yeah, so I didn't finish the book, and I read it uh, like five years ago, so I don't remember it that well. I think, though... Generally, if we're talking sci-fi, I watch it for the world building. I want to see the world that's created. I kind of want a loose idea of, you know, why are we in space? What's the conflict? Is this a near-Earth space scenario, or are we Star Trek, like, super far out in the boonies? Um, So I would really just want the first episode to give me that information, just lay the groundwork. Because if you get too bogged down in the plot, you're going to lose me, because I don't like, I need to know what's going on. Um, So once they've laid out the groundwork, then you can start to give me like a glimpse, like a a very quick, like, Oh, this is bad. Or this is what's going to be driving our plot for the next couple of episodes as they start to explore whatever the general conflict is. Okay. When you get a picture of all the major players in the first episode of this series, you get um, a kind of map of uh, what the main conflict is. And you don't get to deep dive too much into interpersonal stuff before literally everything just starts exploding. That's right. how they start the expanse. And it it feels like a wild ride, one set piece pulled to the next by circumstances, which is what the first book does. It does a very good job of doing that. But the thing I've talked about multiple times on this podcast about that book series and the thing I think anybody who's read the series will recognize that is their favorite part of the series 
is the way everything is turned on its head in the third act of every single book. It's all of this dramatic rising tension pulling you towards an inevitable conclusion and then something changes and you're going somewhere else in the third act. And the book, uh, the book does that obviously does that for the first time in the first book, but then the moment that takes it from a well-written sci-fi that, uh, isn't, you know, isn't groundbreaking by any means, but it's very well-written, very well-researched and you're interested in reading the next one to a book series. I can't shut up about is the epilogue. And it's this gut punch, amazing moment that recontextualizes everything that comes before and elevates the text into this like literally amazing book series. And I wanted to see that on television. I really badly wanted that to be the end of this season. And instead the first season of the expanse ends at the moment where there's like a turn at the third act or the, the, the second act climax, the moment where you can't put the book down anymore. That's where the, first season ends and i'm just like but why you had the perfect ending why didn't you wait for it why didn't you like condense things a little bit and i know they had to get all these other actors in that they wanted to be around for a lot longer and they wanted to kind of mesh the first two books so that you had all your cast of characters yeah but like it's just i feel like that means they're going to get to this amazing one of my favorite moments in fiction. And you're going to get to that in the middle of the season for some reason in season two, instead of at a climactic moment, like at the end. And I'm really disappointed in that. Uh, so I, I might be wrong, but it sounds like what you're saying is that they moved a little too fast. Is that slow? They moved too slow. They moved too slow. They, okay. They took too much time developing all these things um, and get throwing so much information at you that by the end, like when you get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, now I see how this all connects. Oh, this is bad. And you want to know more, the season's over. Mm, and, you, I see. and you have to wait till next season to get to know more. But it took you all season to get to the point where you wanted to go to the next episode. I mean, oh, okay. it was a well done show each time you wanted to get to the next one, kind of like you're, it was very well done show, very well acted, re- well written, but you didn't have that hanging on the edge of your seat moment till the end of the season and you could have had a oh my god i'm going to like i need to inject this into my veins moment if you would have just moved a little bit faster and got to the actual ending of the first book so yeah interestingly enough i think that that actually um fits with daniel abraham's um the author his writing style because at the end of his books they are fantastic. They're phenomenal. They do exactly what you said in the third act where it just turns things on its head and it makes you want to read the next book. But I've always found it difficult to finish his chapters. Um, and I don't know why, but his writing style just doesn't draw me in as much as other authors are able to do. And so I, it takes me a long time to finish his books. And once I get to the end of the book, I'm like, wow, that was awesome. And I immediately pick up the next book. But then we have the same thing where it's just kind of plodding through the chapters. They're very well written. They're very interesting. The characters are really, really good. Um, I, they just struggles to keep my attention for whatever yeah, reason. It misses that. And I think when he writes together and they're right under the pseudonym S.A. Corey, like yeah. the flow of those books is phenomenal. I love reading or listening to um, – 
the Expanse books, but the flow of the TV show just doesn't come close to matching up to it, and that disappointed me the whole time. So I just needed to rant about that. Obviously, I still like the TV show, cannot wait for the final book of the series to come out, and learned today that they just announced that they have renewed it for a sixth and final season, which again messes with the pacing. Because there are nine books in the series. The ninth oh. one is coming out in a couple months. And they are ending it after six. Which, in a weird way, makes sense. Because in between books six and seven, 30 years pass. And so you would have to, if you wanted to continue this show, you'd have to recast the entire main cast. Yeah, and that's you'd have to fly. age everything. And yeah. that wouldn't work very well. But it's still, like... I hope somehow they come back and maybe make a movie or something because mm-hmm. the story afterward is Wait, hold up. Is, Are you saying six seasons and a movie? Six seasons and a movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of this episode. <laughs> Has to be. So it fits too perfectly. <laughs> well, yeah, I just needed to rant about that and as an excuse to rant about that um and to talk about the Dresden files, I wanted to see if you had any uh, books you have read that you wanted to see done in another medium really, really badly. Like I have two that are on the top of my head that I really badly want to see adapted, but okay. um, I've talked for a while. Do you have anything? Yeah. So luckily the number one that I would have picked is being turned into a TV show. And that would be the um, wheel of time series. Like I'm oh, nice. so excited. So excited I for just that. Got be... The first one of that. I just bought a bunch of books right before this podcast yeah. started. And the first one of the wheel of time, I'm finally starting that. Those books are We're starting. Really, they're really good. Um, and I hope you enjoy them. They, I read most of the first yeah. one so long ago. I don't remember. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, they they slow down a little bit in the middle, but then luckily, and like this is gonna sound very um, in poor taste, but luckily the author dies and Brandon Sanderson takes over, and then it picks up again. Um, so, I, like I said, it's not great to say, but it's kind of the truth. Um, I think they finished better because of that, and I would love for the same thing to happen with Game of Thrones. But <laughs> what? Anyways, um, I mean, that dude, he is hanging on by a thread. He looks so unhealthy. I can't not believe that something hasn't gotten him yet. But regardless. Um, sad, but positive. Okay, enough of me being a horrible human being. Um, yeah. So that would be my number one. Uh, and then, weirdly enough, I am probably the world's biggest fan of the movie um, Sahara back in the day that was based off of the Clive Custler book of mm-hmm. the same name. And I really, really wish that more of those books had been made into movies because they're just fun. They're enjoyable. They are like not that complicated plot wise. So I don't have to think about them when I watch them. Right. And originally they were going to be like this new franchise that was going to basically be the next like James Bond or mission impossible or whatever you want. And Clive Custler had to go and be a tool and ruin it all instead. And he demanded but, too much, no. and it was bad. And I think he's dead, too, so I'm just really shitting on all of these people who I shouldn't be. I agree. That would, be an, that would be a, a fun like series of movies. That would be a really cool little franchise. And they started yeah. it like, so strangely in the middle. They did, like, and that was unfortunate. But they do a lot of really cool things. Um, you know, And it's kind of Dan Brown-esque without all the high, heavy-handed like anti-religion. Uh, mm-hmm. themes and we have like james bond we have mission impossible but we don't really have anything that's come out in the past few years that's really kind of 
rejuvenated that. And I would love to see it because they like bring up the Titanic, which is wild. Right. They save the world in these ridiculous situations. It ties into history. They're just cool. And I would like to see those made into, but you were talking, so I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. I was going to just backtrack you a little bit. Um, yeah. So the wheel of time is also 16 books long. How would you, what would you want to see as they go about to adapt it? Would you want it to be a season per book or would you want to throw out the book distinctions and just make it a, series that hits all the high points would you cut anything out how would you go about doing the wheel of time without giving too many spoilers because i'm about to start reading them again so (laughs) the okay so like in some fantasy books you've got one major bad character and that's kind of true for the wheel of time but you also have like minor bad characters who are still like really freaking bad and uh the first like three or four books all deal with the main characters um, going up against those bad guys one at a time, which is fine. It gets a little repetitive for the first few books. So I would probably condense that somehow so that you don't have the same feel of, oh, they're going up against him again. Never seen this before. Um, And then if you're able to condense that, I think that would probably fix a lot of your other issues because it starts to widen the world out. Um, It's going to kind of run into a Game of Thrones problem where the main characters are all in very different parts of the world. Um, So giving each of them screen time so you don't forget about them is going to become a bit of a challenge. And I think they might have to adapt it a little bit to do that. Um, Would you want to see this be more like a a Game of Thrones adaptation or more like a um serialized something uh like i don't know what's a serialized fantasy like zelda uh um uh xena or hercules yeah i i do not think they should serialize i think that would be a huge mistake i think it needs to be in the in the style of game of thrones i think it needs to be long form storytelling um that it has been proven that audiences like that and can pay attention pretty well to it without getting lost um it's going to take them a while to get through it all I I don't think that they should rush it. I think that was the problem with Game of Thrones because mm-hmm. I think they just rushed the last season and it felt it and it sucked and no one is going to be talking about Game of Thrones in the future because they ruined the ending by turning it into six episodes or whatever it was, which was ridiculous. Um, and if I remember correctly, the casting so far, they're hiring a bunch of newbies so that's not going to get super expensive on them super fast. Yeah, which is a good call. I think that was the, the wise thing to do i don't know how they're going to handle um so not really a spoiler but basically you have um one main character who is like in the capital for a bit while another main character is in like a monastery while another main character is just kind of gallivanting all over the place and i i just don't know how they're gonna like game of thrones did an okay job of it but you did kind of lose some of the cohesion at part at points and i'm not mm-hmm. sure how they're gonna structure that i don't know if they need to like pick a couple characters and just kill one of them Get off for of no them. reason yeah. um but that could also be problematic because each one is pretty important to the storyline i'm excited to see how they do it i don't know how they're going to manage it and i think it's really tricky to do that well um i, gotcha. I think very few series i think very few adaptations have done it successfully um, and I think that's why we tend to like complain about them more than we <laughs> laud them. 
Right, right. And that, that's just a reality. Um, it's hard to take the written word and make it as compelling once it's on screen, weirdly enough. No, that's uh, so I'm, I don't know. I'm excited for that one, though. Well, before and we I honestly dive don't know in, how to do it. Before we dive into the Dresden Files, I wanted to mention two that I thought of kind of like 10 minutes ago. Um, mm-hmm. I still want to mention them. Uh, the Lathe of Heaven. I want to see that adapted so badly, um, because especially because of um, WandaVision. Have you seen the trailers for the uh, Disney Marvel yeah, WandaVision? Yeah, I have, and I don't know how that one is going to track with audiences. I don't know how it's going to work very well either, <laughs> but the concept of making a TV show like that made me think, oh my god, you could do a Lathe of Heaven TV show. Because in Lathe of Heaven, if you remember from the episode, when I talked about it, it's a man whose dreams alter reality. Yeah. Um, and so you could do every episode in a post-dream reality. So every single episode is a brand new world, and audiences just have to track with it. And I think that's a brilliant way of adapting it as opposed to making a movie because you don't get to spend as much time in each world, and you get to see the difference if you're only sitting there for two hours, whereas if you're sitting there for 13 um, – you feel the massive differences and you feel the impact of everything that changes like you do in the book. So that would be so fun. And I just visually want to see everything that was in that book. There's cool. very rarely that I read a book that I can't imagine it and love it, but Lathe of Heaven, I loved it and I want to see it visualized. <laughs> I got you. That makes sense. And then yeah. the other one is, um, this isn't a book or a movie. I want to see the Chuck Palahanic book Rant adapted into a podcast because mm. the book is already a it's written as like a um a, a radio biography it's written as if it's a radio show so everybody's being interviewed and they're just audio clips and uh, they're the whole book like most palahonic books is so vis- visual and visceral and dramatic moments and i want to hear people like say these things out loud. I would want to listen to that book and see it unfold that way because so often in scripted um, podcasts, they all, I listen to a lot of them and they all, after like one season fall deep into the cliche of why are you recording this? Like, this is so stupid. Why are you just recording everything that happens to you? Oh no, the paranormal investigator is now involved in a paranormal story and yet they never turn off their phone recording everything. (laughs) cliche and so dumb but this whole massive novel was written as just radio snippets of a guy going around and interviewing everyone so it already fits that format perfectly and it never dips into the cliche and i just want to hear it done cool fair enough yeah. all right well that was um the main topic and i know you desperately want to talk about the latest dresden files and i know we have uh, a couple more chapters about the silent planet to rant on Skip to minute 46 if you don't want any Dresden file spoilers. Yeah, so Dresden Files, the final so far book. Um, Battlegrounds. Bat- Battlegrounds, yeah. Um, all the names honestly sound the same after a while. And they don't apply. This is the first one that's like really applied to the book it's about. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. So um, I liked it. It was fun to read. I liked it better than the last one that came out earlier this year. 
mm-hmm. even though they probably should have just been released at the same time as a mega or, book. Yeah. Like, why not? Just make it two feet thick and let me deal with it when I get it in my yeah, house. But exactly. um, <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it was really interesting um, for a couple of reasons. Is it okay if we do spoilers? Yeah, let's just say spoiler okay. free. If you haven't read the Dresden Files, I will cut back in time and put in a little jump to this time. Yeah, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say if you have not read this yet, at, just stop. Don't listen past this point because I'm about to destroy the entire series for you. So um, yeah, jump <laughs> to and fill in the time blank here. Right. Go on. <laughs> so, anyways, um, the fact that they he killed off Karen Murphy. Hello. I just want to discuss that. I'm sorry. Are you there? Say that you, you cut out for a second. Oh no. All right. Never mind. I guess I won't say that part. Even the universe doesn't want me to spoil it. Um, <laughs> I'm, the guessing major... gonna... I'm guessing you're going to say the fact that they killed off Karen. Yes, that was exactly what I said. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that they killed off Detective Murphy. Um, uh, you know, like. How did you feel about that? I wouldn't have expected it going into the book, no. but um, a couple, uh, maybe. Maybe a third of the way in, she had a bunch of major death flags on her, and then you told me uh, that something was going to happen that I was going to hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, in my mind, clinched it that, oh, they're going to kill off Murphy. Um, yeah. And so it wasn't I wasn't completely caught off guard by it, uh, and I understand the purpose of it. If the series is dry, drawing to a close... Um, if he's being the whole point of the last couple books is Dresden is being tempted to the dark side and everyone actually assumes he's already gone to the dark side. Mm -hmm. You need a, he has to get rid of his touchstone. He has to actually see if he can do it on his own. And she was the one who was keeping him in line most of the time. Now it's his daughter's going to take on that role. But, um, I think he has a chance. Like it's, it's giving you the reader and the audience a he could actually go evil. Like the whole point we've we've never actually feared him going bad. Um, now we do because Murphy's gone. So and so I understand it from that point of view, and so I was okay with it. You were okay with it. Okay, that was I guess my question. Um, so my perspective, I was like you. I actually wasn't that surprised when it happened. Um, partly because <laughs> Karen threw a couple of things in the last couple of books is kind of useless at this point yeah that's Um, what i meant by death flag yeah like her entire body is broken and she's lost what made her a useful character and that's like maybe not fair to say but because of the way that butcher had written her character um the things that he did to her made her not relevant unfortunately and i don't think that was maybe the right choice um and then i like i said i wasn't that surprised by it because also Dresden, he he's gonna live to be a bajillion years old, and that type of romantic relationship probably isn't the best, anyways. So I, you know, I wasn't I was expecting it at some point. Um, I didn't necessarily like it. I think it would have been more interesting if Butcher would have figured out a way to continue using Murphy um, through supernatural means or otherwise. She could have become like an Oracle type character. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm meaning Oracle from Batman where she's the lady in the chair directing all the Bat family. Like, um, she could have been something like that, but she was too, she was too action oriented. And the fact that the last two books 
he kept making it a point that there's no real way to magically heal someone. It was no, like, and that's yeah, fine. Never. But I think it would have. <laughs> I think it would have been an interesting um, story arc if he would have taken that super action-driven character. And let's be honest, everyone in this book is action-driven. There aren't really anyone. There's not many people who are like, "Let me sit and think about this." It's more, yeah. "Let me blow this up and then deal with my action." So I think it would have been interesting if he would have shifted Karen's personality or whatever over time and had her deal with the inner conflict of mm -hmm. well now i can't be action oriented how do i take all of this energy and funnel it into a different way and honestly it probably would have been more interesting if they would have set up karen directly against baron marcone i yeah, think that, that would have been, been really cool because then you have the cop versus the gangster and then dresden can deal with the supernatural stuff speaking of marcone Oh my gosh, he's supernatural now. Cool. Yeah, which that's been oh my god, that's been coming for so long. Uh, it's yeah, I can't believe it took it to this book for that. But to it happen. almost, I was almost disappointed after I thought about it for a while, because yes, it makes so much logical sense. Obviously, he needed to get supernatural beefed up before the end game of whatever the series' end game is. Yeah. But um, the fact that he hadn't up until this point made him so much more interesting. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And now By putting has, him like, in the supernatural realm makes him a far less compelling character because yeah. before he just he dominated through sheer force of will, through intelligence, and through the fact that he was who he was, and then he cut a deal with the devil. Great. Okay. Now yeah, he's bo he's boring now. Um. So I'm a little disappointed in that decision. While we're sticking on things we're disappointed with, yeah. I have two huge problems with this book. That um, okay. obviously the the this one is, as you said, a lot better than the previous one because you really need to think about these books as one book, not two. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, but since they're split into two, we can talk about them like they're two books. And this one was much, much better. However, it dealt with the same issue that this wasn't a complete story by any means. This was a battle. And because it was a battle, um, it should have been framed as if it's a, uh, you know, all rising action until the battle's over. Like if your entire thing is a one giant fight, it needs to be, you know, there's ebbs and flows and action and there's climactic moments that didn't dip down. And instead this book was like, all I'm going to have, it's all hype. I'm going to have hype. conclusion and then another conclusion and then another conclusion. And it just felt like there were 17 endings at least 10 different ex machinas, at least 14 different, oh my gosh, this is the biggest, baddest bad guy we're ever going to face. There's no way out of this. Oh, here comes another ex machina. Let's move on right. to the next biggest, baddest bat. And I was just like, I wanted it to end so badly. Yeah. <laughs> I was so tired of that happening at one point. Um, yep, totally so that was one... It got exhausting to read. Yes. It's like, oh, they're shooting again. The shotguns. Oh yeah, they have shotguns. Oh, did I mention that shotguns are good for urban warfare? Oh, by the way, everyone has a shot. We get it. Yeah. We get it. That was okay. exhausting, and you could have, I don't know, that, that was annoying. Again, if they had been combined into one book, that problem probably would have been erased, but it wasn't, and that happened. It would, it would have forced him to clean it up a little bit, yeah. if nothing else. And then my other major issue is that you set up so many things in the last book and the book before it, and really in the, this like section of the Dresden Files story, you set up all these big ticket, huge items, and then you didn't really use many of them. It feels like there's so many unfired Chekhov's guns at this moment just lying around for anyone to pick up and end the world again. And I know 
He has two or three more books left to wrap up those threads, but it's just bizarre. We didn't get another moment with um, his brain baby. Instead, we got him holding his original skull ghost spirit thing. And that um, was weird. That was, that was weird. really weird because like the four or five books ago, you had this like handing off of the intelligent spirit to Butters. And mm-hmm. then in the big And you had also battle, spent like three books building up this weird intelligence in his head. Yeah, this new one. And then he doesn't ever use it except to make pancakes in one book. Yeah. So that's one of them. Uh, you spend this huge, uh, you spend an entire book, like three books ago. It was just three books ago, building up um, the fact that him and Hades have a friendship and Hades sees himself in him. And then you start fighting literal Greek God Titan things that Hades and his brothers killed originally. And doesn't make a peek from that Greek God. Doesn't ever happen. Nothing comes of it. I know this right. is just something I predicted, but again, no, it's okay. It's, that... It seems off-brand for a Greek yeah. god not to show up in a Greek fight. It's you you brought back literally everybody else, and Hades doesn't doesn't even mention it. And, and there instead, was a moment... the one that um, the one that the Titan keeps like referencing is Odin for some reason, which is a little yeah, bit weird. which doesn't. I mean, I know, and that doesn't even make sense because the Titan leads a force of Fomer, which are Irish Gaelic um, things, and right. Odin. Norse and it and then Hades that actually fought the Titans in the first place is Greek and it's just weird bedfellows for some reason in this all over the place yeah uh I think what was the other unfired checkoffs I was going to talk about I don't remember um but yeah it just felt like there was a bunch of those for some reason that went nowhere and it was very disappointing to me yeah this Um, is turning into the sixth season of Lost pretty quickly yeah I'm like okay you have three or four more books you can you can still do it but please do it because you just you are introducing a new concept instead of finishing the ones you already had and i don't understand that and i think that's why the advice to know the ending before you begin is really good advice and not even just your overarching plot ending you need to have an ending anytime you introduce something new yeah that way you know where you're going with it it wasn't another fire unfired gun it was more of hades the moment when he sets down and he's doing this big summoning circle in the middle of the last battle, and you're like, okay, here it comes. It's one of the, oh, it's the third yeah. or fourth big um, ex machina moment. Yeah. And I was like, here we go. This is my prediction. He's going to so summon Hades. He's so going to straight up summon Hades. And instead, he just summons the um, the, the, the summer lady. The summer would, lady. Who the should have been queen. there anyways. Yes. And I was like, it's the height of summer. Why isn't she already here? What is right. happening? Like, what's she it doing? She hangs out in Chicago all the time. And summoning her isn't that big of a deal. He's already done it a couple times in the series. Right. right. Yeah. And it made it seem like it was this big thing that was going to get him in all this trouble. And it's like, ah, we've been here, done this. Let's just. Yeah. yeah. It was just, that was a very disappointing climactic moment there. I agree. I thought it was going to be like some super cool person that either we had only seen one time before or like his arch nemesis or something like if he would have summoned like nicodemus that would have been wild right shoot <laughs> he goes summon nicodemus or i i just knew. I, would, I would have screamed out loud yeah like that whole Ooh. chapter though i just knew he was summoning hades like every bit of the build-up felt like that and then he didn't and i was like what, what the hell yeah. i was very mad yeah it was disappointing uh, hades would have been badass too because you don't summon a major greek deity without issues that would have been yeah. super cool i agree 
Um, okay, so was, well, let's was there anything <laughs> I was about to ask the same question. So for me, the one thing that I liked, and you might disagree with it, I actually really like that Harry is now like suckered into marrying the leader of the white court vampires. I love that. Oh no, I love that matchup. That's I think that's the best really interesting. thing ever. And I would love for that to actually happen. And I'm worried that Butcher is going to find a way to get Harry out of it. And I don't want him to do that. I want Harry to get married into the vampires. Haven't they already hooked up once? Like, didn't she already seduce him one time? I don't think so. Okay. I could be was wrong. That, that I, was the, Maeve, wasn't it? Yes. Like uh, that's what yeah, he is. He has slept with the, um, the fairy, but he, or the fae, but he has not gotten jiggy not with, with the vampire, vampires. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, that, I love that matchup because it's so out of character for him. And right. yet, and yet the white court, like really thinks it's in character for him. They think he's already done this multiple times because he's used even as far as the last book, he used an illusion of them hooking up to fool people. Like it's so I love that concept that Maeve is just playing into all of his best allies, worst fears about him. It's a really good setup. Plus that's a power couple like him and Lara work together really well. Anyways, like, Oh man, you put them together and it's, like, he doesn't need to be worried about the wizard court anymore. Mm-hmm. Come on. Very interesting concept. I for And one, he already has the tie-in of his brother being a white court vampire. Like, just yeah, to live... Ah, and if Butcher doesn't do it, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I, for one, also... For all my um, complaining about the, uh, the continuing and never-ending action and pointlessness of some of it, Butcher does action scenes so well. And I loved some of the fights and the way they played out. They were Agreed. so interesting. And Agreed. yeah, you could flow. You could feel what was happening the whole time. You never lost your sense no, of direction. No, you could like track them in your mind's yeah. eye, which can be pretty tricky with a fight scene. And especially when there's that much chaos. You, right. He did a very good job of balancing that the whole book. It was so interesting. Um, each battle was legitimately like i wanted to see it filmed but i didn't have to because i could see it yeah like you said in your mind's eye that was amazing that's hard to do and that was really amazing i agree with that i agree uh, and i'm then, like you i wish it would have been a little shorter but it was yeah well written if not when it was else. done it was done well yeah correct and it was just never it just kept being done <laughs> yeah. like, he does that well and i think the um i think in particular the final I don't even know if it was the final one because they all felt so fi- uh, final. Um, hmm. The one where he is fighting with, um, it's him, Butters, and uh, Queen Maeve and her unicorn. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, and there's like actually a full whole host of others. And then the Titan shoots the big laser thing at her and she blocks the big laser thing. And then they blow up and throw the rebar at everybody. And so iron kills all the Fae. Mm-hmm. And so it's, and then it's just him and butters. That whole scene, that whole action sequence was so amazing and it was so stressful. And I really loved that. And that was the one where afterwards, like all the reinforcements finally arrived, but yeah. that scene was so cool. Um, but then again, we just had like five more of them. So it didn't really work. <laughs> right. And it lessens the impact. It's like when you get, one super cool gift for Christmas and then a package of socks, a package of underwear and like a coffee mug. 
mm-hmm. overall, you're just like, all right, well, this was an okay Christmas, even though you did get one really good gift, because it averages out everything in your mind. You're like, wow, this fight scene was awesome. This one was okay. This one was all right. Now I'm bored of fight scenes. Ugh, this book I mean, sucked. Yeah. Even you though you had a really good fight scene. Yeah. You could have advanced through the rest of the fight scenes much quicker than you did, because that one, I mean... The dramatic moment of literally her entire horde dying because they got stuck with iron and her having yeah. an iron rebar through her neck and Butters having to pull it out and Dresden having to revive the horse. Like all of that was so cool. And then it just kept going. And I was like, okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Like the, the scene of Butters with his like boot on Maeve's neck hauling out a piece of rebar is so awesome. You can't top that. Why did you keep trying? <laughs> yeah. 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 That was a good scene. I agree. That was one of the better ones he's written. How about the um the actual ending? The the end of the mystery that was set up last book. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, Harry's not a detective. I he mm. hasn't been in a long time. And so setting this book arc, story arc up as a I need to find out the mystery of what's going on with my brother. And then never having him do any detective work whatsoever and just having it fall into his lap. Yeah. Bit of a letdown. It was just explained to him. And the twist, yep. if you're if you're not planning on reading the books and here for the spoilers, is that um, his brother's pregnant wife is possessed by the thing that had like the, the outer worlds thing, mm-hmm. the outside the universe thing that had um, stalked him as before the first book even started. Uh, the one who walks beside or whatever it's called, like she's right. possessed by it. And she's the one who somehow made his brother attack the thing and break the accords and start this whole mess and get him locked up in the prison. And it's just like, again, she just kind of, or it just, he just r- realizes it. He does no investigations. There is no moment where like, there's no, I don't know. What's it called? There's no clues. There's no, um, uh, asking questions or interrogating anything. It's just, it just has the epiphany moment. That's the end of every detective right. novel. It just has it. And there's nothing that feeds into it. It felt so cheap and dumb. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. That wasn't great. And that could have been done better. Yeah. So, but I'm interested in, I'm, I'm as, as always, even though I've just been insulting the book for a bit, I loved it. And I'm interested in seeing what happens next. Yeah. That's how it always is. I, yeah. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I loved the book. I'm excited for the next ones, just like you. You know, it's fun to trash things that are better than me. Makes yeah, me feel better about myself. So. Um, so it's all right. Keep doing what you're doing, Butcher. You're amazing, and I love you. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else to talk about with that. Uh, okay. Do. Did I read my chapters? Did I read my... Yeah, like 20 minutes ago. Okay, good. Same here. Because right. <laughs> I've been so focused on... Honestly, this makes me feel like I'm back in high school English class because right. I procrastinate. And then <laughs> I get a text from you saying, all right, chapters 9 and 10. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Man, That's I really wish I the Spark morning. Notes existed. Because I've been reading... Okay, granted... I'm, I'm reading, reading like four a... books right now. Yeah. You probably I've been too. trying to finish... Um, the dark forest, but I'm also in the middle of, uh, the third book in, um, Jeff Vandermeer's born, not yeah. really a series, but all set in the same world. And I'm at the halfway point and all the characters just died. Like nice. every single character. And I'm just like, 
what? How, what? how do you? I'm only at the halfway point. What is so I, it's, I don't know. I love his writing. I love everything he does. And so that book has been taking most of my attention, honestly, from everything. That's like I fair. just, every time I read anything, I'm like, I don't care about this. I want to know how he's going to finish this book with everyone dead. All <laughs> right. I'll pick it up. I'll pick that up next on my list. Uh, it's called, um, it's called uh, the Dead Astronauts. So I guess I should have yeah. known. They were no, right. It's right there in the title. <laughs> Damn. How'd you miss that? <laughs> but it's just so funny. shocking to me. Anyways, right. uh, out of the silent planet. <laughs> All right. So uh, this one was kind of, I don't know. So you know how um, in chapter nine, he like cuts off a slice of a tree and just starts eating it like chewing gum. Chews it like gum. Yeah. yeah. So in my mind, when I read that, I was like, that was a real risky click there, buddy. That right? could have been like some weird drug or something. So here's my theory because everything gets super weird immediately after that. He ate a piece okay. of the tree. It was a drug. And now he's tripping balls. And that's why he's like talking huh. to a thing that looks like a seal. And he's like just wandering around. Thing. Like, they, they got real bonkers really quick. And that, all of these, you know? <laughs> that's not a bad theory. Um, like, this is whole... some Alice in Wonderland shit. Right. He's, like, repeating the contrasted pairs of words, Brasa, Branda, Met, Sarani, Aranda. Like, I'm yeah, literally reading was, that. That part and was so, really stupid to me. I think he's just babbling at a beaver. <laughs> My whole thing is this book, like, so recap, if you're reading along with us or if you're not reading along with us, you should be. This is an interesting book. It's um, a wild ride. It's a, it's a very wild ride. <laughs> it's so uh, weird. But in this chapter, so he wakes up in the forest and he drinks the water he was told not to drink and then tries to eat a tree. And then you get a lot more descriptions. <laughs> of... <laughs> that was the best description of chapter nine I've ever heard. <laughs> drinks the water he's not supposed to drink, then he eats a tree. Yep. That's pretty much you it. You get a lot yeah, you get a lot more descript- descriptions of the world of Malachandra mm. you're on. And then oh, he, he also to... starts Chapter 9 talking to himself, which was Yes, like so. babbling to himself, just yeah. on and on. Um, and then... In the third person. He's like delirious. And then yeah. he meets this other intelligent creature. And instead of like any normal person reaction or any sci-fi books reaction where... He's scared of the creature, and they, tr- or the creature, sh- or he needs food from the like anything. He takes the position of like ET from ET, and tries to learn its language. Oh, and that was the best. Literally, like, he's not fascinated about anything else. He's just like, ooh, <laughs> phonics. Like, you yeah. about alien phonics. And you get to follow his internal dialogue where he's like, oh, this thing's freaky. But wait, oh shit, I can make a new dictionary. Hell yeah, it's... boys. <laughs> it's just so. What? It's so weird. It's so bizarre. Um, he even starts coming up with like the names that he's going to call his new dictionary yes! in his head. Yes. Oh, it's, like the, it's the, weird. The, the Martian to English, like shorthand, or the mitochondrian right. diction. And it's just like, what? I, I can't read this without thinking that this is C.S. Lewis just making fun of Tolkien. Like, I think so. I'm telling you, I think this guy is tripping balls in this book. I think that's it. It, just, it feels like this whole, at least all of chapter 10 was written to be like, Tolkien, you're an idiot for being this obsessed with language. This is what you would do if you met an alien. And you moron. Yeah. There's no other way to take this chapter. It's so funny. <laughs> Uh, it's been, honestly, I think that's probably a, the best interpretation of this book. It's just, 
C.S. Lewis finding new and inventive ways to make fun of his friend <laughs> in a very public way. They had a very interesting relationship, and that's an adaptation I want to see. I want to see somebody make a buddy comedy movie about Lewis and Tolkien because right. they had the craziest life. Apparently, they used to like crash parties together they weren't invited to, and sometimes in like costume, costume. just for fun. Right. Like they went to a there's a famous story of them going to somebody's party in matching polar bear costumes and not telling anyone why or explaining it. It was not a costume party. They just showed up dressed like polar bears. And I just, I love that. I want to see more of them doing stupid, hilarious things. It's pretty good stuff. Which is what I hope this book just continues to be. is just him ragging on his um, language obsessed best friend. So far, so good. It's weird. I mean, I'm not sure where he's going with it or why he's going there. But well, damn it, if boat, it is, it yeah. is hilarious. The rest of chapter 10, he got on a boat with big um, otter seal thing. Uh, and he <laughs> took him to his, like, village, which was across the sea. And he met baby otter seal things. And then that's where we left us. <laughs> and it was just like, okay. <laughs> He's learning how to talk alien, and he's left the people who kidnapped him and brought him here behind. And that's all we know. It hasn't really advanced the plot much since then. I just want to say that the last paragraph of chapter 10 only reinforces my theory about him being high as a kite. It says, (laughs) He never could remember much of that evening. There was more eating and drinking. There was a continual coming and going of black forms. There were strange eyes luminous in the firelight. Finally, there was sleep in some dark, apparently covered place. Yeah, dude's drunk. <laughs> he's, he's out of it. Dude's wasted. Like his brain is uh, not there anymore. And there was a I'm trying to look at anything I highlighted. I always highlight interesting notes. Oh, um back in chapter nine, when he first wakes up and is ranting to himself. And this oh, is geez. just this is just more of the uh out of time element that we have in these books, because it's written so long ago, um, that it's just a different language almost. Uh, he wakes up, he uh, drinks the water he's not supposed to drink, and then he says, he was quite aware of the danger of madness and applied himself vigorously to his devotions and his toilet. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed so hard. (laughs) He applied himself vigorously to his devotions and his toilet. (laughs) I was like, okay, you do that. (laughs) Again, if he's making fun of Tolkien, that's hilarious. Right? It's so good. Like, oh, Tolkien wakes up in the morning and has a real good constitutional. (laughs) I just really want to, next time somebody asks me what I'm doing, say I'm applying myself vigorously to my toilet. (laughs) Right. It's pretty funny. It's pretty good. Well, we'll find out more about giant otter seal creatures in chapter 11 and 12. Read along with us and see how else C.S. Lewis makes fun of Tolkien, or if he gets back to telling the story he's supposed to be telling. (laughs) I hope he doesn't. So far, this is pretty good stuff. Uh, We'll also talk about something else, uh, but we don't know what that is yet, so tune in next time. We'll figure it out. Bye. Bye.